Thanks for subscribing to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne podcast. It's our hope and prayer that God will use this message to draw you closer to Jesus. Don't forget to sync your device regularly to get the latest podcasts from Calvary Chapel Melbourne. For more information, log on to calvaryccm.com. Good morning. We're going to pass out Bibles at all of our campus right now. If you do not have a Bible, I encourage you just to raise your hand. And uh, you can turn to Acts chapter 5. That's where we're going to be, all of you. Those of you watching at home, got to get up in your own Bible. And Vera and Sebastian, like to have you guys so much and all of you that are here. Now, I'm going to say something, and I want you to just turn to your neighbor as you get your hand up and get that Bible. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to feel better when I leave this service. Come on. I'm going to feel better when I leave this service. All right? I'll take a vote at the end and see if I'm done here or you're going to be fine. Okay? Do you know that God's in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What kind of a God? I'm going to show you what kind of a God. What do you think about this? What comes to your mind when you hear these words? Unstoppable God. Amen? The world wants to do everything. Watch out. Unstoppable. Notice what it means. God is going to do what he wants. You say, well, what kind of a God is that? A perfect God. He wants to do what he wants, and no one can stop him. Now, where would we come up with that? Well, we just studied it two weeks ago. Remember, God is sovereign. What's that mean? He's in control of everything. We think we're in control. You don't want to be in control. God's in control. Now, when we go through the book of Acts, we'll see lots of these unstoppable things that God does. Let me give you just a simple sample this morning. Here we go. The mission of God is unstoppable. Number two, the purposes of God are unstoppable. Do you know that every Christian, God has a purpose for you? It's not a purpose to harm you. It's a purpose to what? Bless you minister to you, give you hope, give you a future. Think about that. The purposes of God are unstoppable. Well, I'm not sure, Pastor Mark. I just told you. It's unstoppable. He's got a plan for you. I'll talk to you about that in a moment. Here's a big one. The power of God is unstoppable. As you go through the book of Acts, it's going to be so powerful for you. And the last one is, and I'm waiting for an amen when we get done, so just (coughs) clear your throat, get ready. Here we go. Here's the last one. God's church is unstoppable. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. Now, you're going to see a proof of that. Last week, we saw God purify a new church. And that new church was about 5,000 men plus women and children, 5,000 believers. But in that new church, if you weren't here last week, you can get on, watch the DVD and all that kind of stuff. In the new church, there were two believers who were hypocrites, and they were liars. Well, God judged those two, and you'll see why in a moment, and they dropped dead. First the husband, carried out, buried, then the wife, carried out and buried. Now, why would that happen? I'll share with you just in a moment. But understand, God's in control, yes? Okay, here's the problem. God is in total control, but he gives every single person a free will. So they decided they would fool God. Uh, That doesn't work very well. 
And where did all that start? In the Garden of Eden. God says, I got everything for you. I got purpose for you. I got a plan for you. It's fantastic. And he said, well, we'll try to control our own self. Goodbye. And that's what we have. We have that sin nature. So what was God doing by causing those two people to go to their early deaths? Well, here it is on the overhead. God was making a statement to his church. Remember, it's a brand new church. And he says, I want all believers to be honest, pure, and real. I will not allow Satan to interfere and ruin my church and its great reputation. See, he was not just concerned about an individual. He's concerned about all of them. But they chose to do their own thing, lie and be hypocrites. Say they're doing something and they weren't doing it. So he was showing an example. No, 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 I want a church that's filled with real people. Now, he's not, he didn't want a church filled with perfect people because there is none. You agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to say to your person next to you, you're not real. No, you're not, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. You want to be real. Now, look at verse 11, chapter 5, verse 11. Vieira, Sebastian. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So you can imagine that. If you were in the church and you watched those bodies be carried out, you're not talking to your neighbor about anything. You're going, whoa, what happened? But fear, a lot of people think, I'm supposed to fear God, the fear of God. The fear of God is good. It's not bad. It's not like, oh, I hate that, man. What's going to happen here? Listen, here's the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is to worship, as we just did. Respect, have respect who he is. He's in charge. And love him so much that we have to obey him. Is that right? No, we, we want to. We love to obey him. Why? Because he's in charge. Now, that healthy fear of God is good for us. Because eventually, we get to enjoy life. See, if I'm not really fearing God and I just want to do my own thing, I'll be guilty all the time. Knowing that I've sinned against God. You don't want that. You just want to be really enjoying life. Now, <clears throat> you would think when the word spread, notice what we just read. Great fear sees the whole church and all those outside the church. So outside the church basically are Jewish people who, who know about God, but they don't believe in Jesus at all, except in the new church now. Understand that. The word spread, spread, spread. Let's say you're, you're in a neighborhood, and you go to that church where those two people died. And, and uh, the pastor of that church says to you, you need to invite your friends to come to church. So you go next door uh, or down the street or at work, and you say, uh, I'd like to invite you to my church next weekend. And they would say, well, what church is that? Well, is it the church where they had a funeral like times two? People were dropping dead right in the church? Uh, yeah, that's my church. Uh, thank you very much. Am I right? Now, you would think, I mean, I might even go like, I think I'll skip two weeks myself here at the church, just in case. But this is different. It's very different what happened. Look what really happens. You would think no new person would say, I'm a beginner. I'm new. I'll go to New to Calvary. I'll go to New to Calvary. You know, you want, that ain't going to happen. But look what happens here. <laughs> it's amazing. Verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. 
among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's Colonnade. That's kind of part of the temple where they'd been meeting the whole time. So remember after the first jailing of Peter and John, they were not really beaten, just basically persecuted. They went back to this group, which was the church. And they got together and they prayed. And here's their prayer. Remember this prayer? Now, Lord, consider their threats, the Jewish leaders, spiritual leaders, your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In other words, we, we want to continue to change and share the gospel. And watch what it says here. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So when we read verse 12, what is verse 12? It's an answer to their exact prayer. God just answered prayer. He empowered the apostles to perform these miracles. Anybody glad that God answers our prayer? There it is. You have prayers. We all have prayers all the time. And so these guys pray, God, just help us to go for it. Do supernatural things because those giftings in those days attracted people. Wow, how can that happen? What's happening? Demons cast out. People healed. And so they prayed that. That's exactly what was happening. Now, have to be careful. Have to be careful. Look at this next statement. The apostles were God's instruments, but the miracles came from God. Don't get yourself prideful. Well, I pray for that person. They got hell. Man, I must be really holy. No, you're stupid. God hates pride. You'll be down on the floor. You see, you understand, we don't have that power, but God uses us as instruments, just instruments. We're servants. We're servants for him. Now, these miracles pointed to the truth of the gospel and that Jesus really cared and loved these people. Remember, they didn't believe in Jesus, but that's what he did. Now, look at verse 13. Sounds strange. No one else dared join them, even though... They, re, they were, the church, highly regarded by the people. Now, highly regarded means to show respect, to hold in high esteem. The people outside, because they'd heard from it, from the believers, remember, we're maybe two months in at the most, and you got 5,000 people that they knew before that are Christians now and believe in Jesus. So they knew a little bit about the church. They, they knew that that church was filled with love and unity and grace and excitement, and that the people there were real. So they had basically a respect for them. So what, what they said was this. The news is out. If you want to be serious in your relationship with God and have your life totally changed, this is the church to join. Let me ask you a question. It's not a prideful question. It's just a question. Do you think in our communities here in Brevard County, Indian River County, and the places where people know about our campuses, do you think we're respected by the unbelievers? You don't know how to answer that one, do you? Because they don't know anything about us. That's why one of the things I said, we have to make sure we're inviting people to see God. It's not about the church. It's about our God. See, that people have the wrong impression. But, you know, we have, we're, we're adding people all the time at all of our campuses. Why? Because they hear that this is the place 
where God is. And you can find a way to get your life changed. Could I hear an amen there? Yeah, that's what, that's what the whole mission is. That's what the whole mission is. So that's what's going to happen to this church. Watch. It's going to grow, and it's going to grow, and it's grow going to grow again. Now, basically, they wanted to know, these unbelievers that decided, well, I'll take a risk and go for it. I think it's going to be okay. They wanted to know how to do life right. Billy Graham always made this statement. It was true. In his, in his big crusades, or privately, he would make this conversation. Without a personal relationship with God, every single unbeliever is empty, lonely, guilty, and afraid of death. Now, they won't admit it, but Billy Graham would use that in his sermons, and millions of people came to Christ. Because why? Boom! Hit him right on the head. Empty, no purpose in life. Guilty, sinful. You understand when you see all of that there? Are they lonely? Yeah, they have a relationship with people, but the best relationship in the world is with Jesus Christ because he never leaves us. Now, when you see that, they say, well, I'm not afraid of death. Oh, yes, they are. What do you think's happening today with the virus going all around the world? Well, I don't think I'll get on that plane. I said to my wife the other day, we don't go to movies hardly ever because forget the 59,000 words that are wrong. And you want to walk out there, you feel horrible. Movie been great. Why don't they just make it pure, right? At least fun. But I said to my wife, well, there's going to be 500 in the theater. I think I'm not going. Thank you very much. And today, what do we do as loving people? Oh. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? If you're smart, you don't go, oh, just give it a big hug. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you understand, we're a people that love God. And he takes care of us. We don't know when you're going to die, but we will. So people are afraid of that. We don't have to be afraid of that. Because when I die, I know exactly where I'm going. Because of what? He came out of that tomb. Amen? And that's why we're going to heaven. Amen. All right, now, look at verse 14. Watch this. Amazing. Nevertheless, more and more men, ladies, here we come. You finally get in the group. And women. Believed in the Lord and were added to that number. Well, that shouldn't surprise you. Look at what Jesus said when the disciples were with him. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So what does that tell us? The growth of Jesus' church was unstoppable. Unstoppable. Next week, we finish chapter 5. And I'm going to introduce you to a lot of different missions around the world, people, organizations, different countries where there's a great persecution, heads chopped off, all kinds of things. But you know, when you go to those countries, most of those countries, when the persecution is horrible, the church just dies. No, it does not. You're going to see persecution through the book of Acts like maybe you've never seen it. What does the church do when the people are persecuted? It grows. That's amazing. That's what God does. See, the growth of Jesus' church was unstoppable. It's still unstoppable today. It will never be defeated. You're in the right place in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, 
Because of that excitement, watch what happens. The church is growing. There's women. We don't know now. There was 5,000 men plus women plus children. Now probably 7,500, 8,000 people in just those few weeks. Look at verse 15. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they passed by. Now, excuse me, as he passed by. Now, the crowds were so huge that these people were waiting for, probably like Peter had done before, a touch from Peter. They were waiting for that. Well, you're not going to get to Peter. So they lay all the people before them on pallets and all of those things because they couldn't get to them. Now, what's the deal with Peter's shadow? What's the deal? Well, Here's what you need to understand. It was not Peter's shadow that healed, but the person's faith in God. Now, let me talk just a little bit about healing. This is very similar, you'll see it in a moment, to remember the woman who wanted to touch the end of Jesus' robe. And then the Apostle Paul later, when we go on in the book of Acts, you'll see this. He, he had sweatbands on. He was working. He didn't allow them to pay him money. He worked his own thing, so he could just provide for himself. And the people would get those and put those on him, thinking there's power in the rag. No, there isn't power in the rag. There's power in their faith to believe that Jesus could heal them. Now, let me just share with you a couple things. In Jesus, in his ministry, he was always touching people, and almost all the time he healed everybody. That was an amazing thing. What we see now, the early church is carrying on that ministry. It's not, it's not the, the people, it's the power of God. Now, what I want to share with you is this. I'd like to be able to say to you today, I understand everything about healing. But I'll be honest with you, nobody understands everything about healing. I've been doing this a long time. My mother was the pastor's wife. She died at 42 of breast cancer. I still don't understand it. But I want to say this to you. We don't understand why God heals some and why God doesn't heal others. We don't understand why God heals some immediately and then some by a process of time. How many of you, though, know that you, at one time or another, have been healed by God? Can I see your hand? There you go. There you go. You know, three or four years ago when I was really going through really difficult times, uh, I, I wouldn't even be here unless God just supernaturally, one day during the summer, healed everything. I don't understand it. It's just there. But here's what I want to share with you. There's a danger. There's some people, and you have to be careful what you read and what you watch. There's some churches, here's what they'll teach. God heals everybody, 100%. And if he doesn't, it's your fault. Your faith is too weak. Forget it. That is from the devil. That is an untrue promise. Jesus didn't heal everybody. He just left some alone. Remember, came to that pond, one man, he healed one. All of them were trying to get in that pool where the angel came. All of them. How many did he heal there? One. Peter, that day, all kinds of people around the, the, the temple. How many did he heal? One. Now, here's what you have to understand. These people, if, if you're the one that's sick, 
and they pray for you, and you say, well, I've been prayed for, and I believe in you, and you prayed for me, and I, I didn't get it. They'll say to you, well, you don't have enough faith. Now, how do you feel after that? Here's what you feel, condemned. God never condemns anybody. Don't believe it. Just trust God. By the way, one day we'll all be healed. In heaven. Forever. Relax. You say, well, I, I thought this service was supposed to be good. You're just talking about dying. Okay. But I'm talking about dying going to heaven. Hallelujah. It doesn't get any better than that. We can just close right now. No, don't you get up. All right, now. So let me show you how that works. Can I just ask you, do you believe this? Watch what Jesus said to this woman, Matthew 9. Just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. Watch what she says. If I can just touch the robe. Now, look at me for a moment. Don't finish it. If I could just touch the, his robe, then maybe you got a 50-50 chance of it happening. Is that what she says? Notice what she says. I will be healed. That's faith. That's faith. She says, I know God will heal me. No pastor told her to say that. She had faith. Remember we, in the book of James, it says, is any of you sick? Call for the elders. They'll pray over you. They'll anoint you with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and they will be raised up. I just want to say to you, watch what happens here. I will be healed. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. What's the next line? Let's read it. Your faith made you well. Now, where do we get faith from? Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. That's why you're here. You and I are talking about God's word, listening to God's word. He's unstoppable. He loves us. He won't allow us to fail. He'll just be there alongside of us. He'll give us a new start. That's God's word. It gets faith. She knew that Jesus could do that. And he doesn't say, my faith got you. No, he says, your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed, what? At that moment. There's the faith that all of us need when we're praying. Now, I call that, when she was there, I call that a point of contact, a jump start. When she said, if I, I know he's a special man. If I could, it wasn't the robe. It was Jesus. She said, I know that can be. See, it's a jump start. That's why when we elders touch you and pray for you with oil, it's not about the oil. It's not about the elders. It's your faith that God will touch you and heal you. That's in the book of James. So our faith has to be built up. But don't let people say, oh, you didn't get healed. Eh? Well, sorry for you. You don't have any faith. That's a lie from Satan right there. Don't do it. Don't do it. Now, now look at verse 16. Crowds also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick, gathered from also from the towns, and those who were tormented by evil spirits, and look at this, and all of them were healed. I just want to say this today. I hope you believe it. Let's read it together. Today, come on, today God still heals and delivers people from demons. Amen. 
See, it's, it's not like it was in the Bible, all, 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 but he still heals. And he still delivers people from demons. You have to understand that. That's our God. So the, the news, notice this first word here. Crowds gathered from the towns around Jerusalem. It's no longer the people just from Jerusalem. It's from the suburbs. And that should say something to you. Because it's people from Judea. People heard about it in the surrounding turns. It'd be, it towns, it'd be like us. If, if, as we have in a revival and God just continues to expand it, all of a sudden people in Orlando will go, whoa, something's happening at those campuses there in, in Brevard and Indian River. Wow, that, that, that's exactly what happened. And they, they brought their people from Judea to be healed and, and, and delivered from the, the, the demons. Now, remember what Jesus promised to the disciples when he sent them out? He says this, and I'll read it to you in Acts 1.8. Jesus speaking to his disciples before the day of Pentecost. But you will receive power <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there's the promise. Can I ask you to write this? God's promises are unstoppable. He said, we're going to start in Jerusalem. But pretty soon you're going to be in Judea. Here they are. People are coming from there. And then it's going to go to Samaria. Then it's going to go to the ends of the earth. That's what the whole passage is about. It's going to happen. He's promised that the whole world will be touched. And you'll see that as we go through the book of Acts. That's powerful. That's powerful. Now, they may not have thought about it, but I'm sure the disciples understood it. Verse 17. Now, um, just say this with me right now. Trouble's coming. Come on. Trouble's coming. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about this passage, so relax. I'll talk about you later. Here we go. Verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, remember, 71 leaders, Jewish leaders, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. You know why? Before the disciples and the apostles came, the people would hang around them. Guess who they're hanging around now? The 12 apostles. And they look out there like they're by themselves. Well, the crowds are all around these guys. What's happening over there? What's happening? Well, the other thing they noticed, they're seeing all these people healed. And they're seeing people that had demons. The demons are gone and the people just get, whoo, freedom of a demon. Praise God. They had never seen that in their life ever because it was dead religion. And so they're jealous like crazy. Now, what are they going to do? Well... Here's what happens. Look at verse 18. They arrested the, and I want you to see the S on the end of the line. They arrested the apostles, all 12 of them, not just Peter and John, all 12, and put them in a public jail. Now, I'm going to ask you to be part of that. I want to put you in a jail this morning. I want you to picture you in that jail. Now, I wrote some things down, and we'll talk about it. Let's go back 2,000 years. You are one of the apostles here in Melbourne via Sebastian. You're one of the apostles. And you are now in a public jail where they can see you. Just days before, you're touching people. God's healing people. He's demon pissed. All this thing happening. Now, you're there. What are you thinking? 
You're in the jail. What have you been doing the last few weeks? Everything what? Good. Perfect. Obeying God. Everything's going fantastic. Crowd is now probably eight, nine, ten thousand people. Wow, amazing. And where are you now? In jail. What's one of the first questions that would come to your mind? Why? Exactly right. Let's just say it. Why? You ever say why to God? Let's be honest. Why did I get this? How come I got fired here? Why come this thing breaks down in the house all the time? What are you doing, God? Why? 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 I'm sure they're why. Now, when you say why, do you think Satan's around? Yeah. You know what I think Satan would say to us if we're in this jail? Oh, your God promised never to leave you, huh? <laughs> Look around. There's guards. The jail's closed. You thought you guys were doing good? He left you. He's not interested in you. He doesn't care about you. You say, well, Pastor Mark, they would never believe that. Now, wait a minute. You're in jail. Forget them. Would you believe that? Oh, no, I'm perfect, Pastor Mark. I never doubt. No, we'd be saying there, well, kind of right. He isn't here. I mean, we've been doing everything we could, and nothing's happening here. We're in jail. Well, I wrote this. Sometimes we listen to Satan's lies instead of reminding ourselves of God's un, absolutely unstoppable promises. What is one of the promises that comes from the Old Testament? I will never leave you or forsake you. Am I right? See, this passage, the reason I wanted to put you in this jail is because some of you, all of us at times, are in a passage of life where it's not working too well. And you're wondering, where are you, God? How come this is happening to me? Look at my marriage. Look at this. Look at the sickness. Look at this. Look, boom, 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 boom. And Satan is saying, oh, yeah, you're right. He doesn't really care for you. You got to go back to the word of God. You got to go back to his promises. And I want you to hear it today. Don't leave listening to Satan. He's a liar. Listen to God. His promises are unstoppable. They'll always change you. Well, how is that going to work? They are working through it, as you can imagine, going through their minds. And that verse I gave you is De Deuteronomy 31.6. And remember, when we step out to obey God, as they did, any of us, Satan always steps up. He knows how to do that. But can I just ask you to write this? Our unstoppable God always defeats Satan's plans. Don't listen to Satan. He's condemning you again. God never condemns you. Now, they don't know what's going to happen, but God knows. Some amazing things are going to happen. See, when he, when he has a purpose to put us through these difficult times, we don't see anything good up front. But when you get out of that jail prison and look back, you go, wow, now I know why I was there. And he didn't leave me. Watch what happens. God's going to use this time to open another door of opportunity to share the gospel. They don't know that. They're in jail. Second thing, God's going to use this jail time, and they will experience something they never experienced before in their life, and you and I have never experienced. They're going to experience personally a supernatural miracle from God because they're in jail. So look at verse 19. 
Here it comes. But during the night, they're in jail, an angel of the Lord <clears throat> opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. I like God's sense of humor. Isn't that amazing? Now, why do I like that? Well, remember, the Sadducees don't believe in angels. <laughs> this is amazing to me. Now, you say, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? God isn't there. There's an angel there. Well, who do you think sent him? God. Had God forgotten them? No, he sends an angel. And, 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 and they, the doors are open, and they walk out. Remember, every door... There was a guard. Well, what happened to him? I don't know. Maybe he had one of those things. He put his mask on, the angel. <laughs> I don't know what happened in those days. Or maybe he went like this. Beep. Oh. Who cares? They're either asleep or he does what? Oh. Can't see a thing. They're blinded. And what do the disciples do? They're not sitting around the going, well, let's wait a half hour. No, I'm out of this pay right now. Gone. So there, they'd never experienced that before. Peter will experience it again another time. But this is fantastic. Now, notice there's some words from the angel. See, his purpose has never stopped. Look at verse 20. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Now, the angel doesn't say this. You better get out of Dodge. Get into your house. Wait for a while till the dangers pass. Then you can share the news again. No, he doesn't say that at all. The angel gives him three simple commands. Here they are on the overhead. Go. Don't give up. Go. That's pretty simple. Go. Number two. Stand. In a, temple, in a temple courts, in the temple courts, a public place. Don't be ashamed and afraid. Don't be fearful. Just go. Go, stand there. And when they stand there, what are they supposed to do? Share the full gospel truth. Now, when you see that, this is what they'd been doing. But, you know, after you spend time getting arrested and put into jail, you might think, mm, Really? Could we wait a few weeks? Uh, how's Judea? Is that a better place to go? No, they're not even thinking that. The angel says, boom, boom, boom. Now, verse 21 is key. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. How many of you are early risers? Let me see your hands. Good. And usually we'll marry a person that wants to sleep in forever. <laughs> right? Again, I told you God has a sense of humor. Why did you give me her, God? How would you give me him? Okay. Now, <clears throat> what do you see at the daybreak? Do you see hesitant apostles? Do you, do you see doubting apostles? No. The minute the light came on, we're out of here. We're going to obey God. That's called an urgency. They got to get to where the people are. Careful. That's what we should have, a sense of urgency. 
Our world is plummeting in secularism. It's falling so far from God. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. You'll see that next week, I told you, when we talk about the people that are being persecuted. There's an urgency. You know, in the, in the book of Revelation, John writes about some of the churches that were many years later, they fall away from God. And he writes to a church that he says this, you lost your first love for God. It is going through the motions in church. That's not what you see with these guys. There's an urgency to go stand and share the gospel. Guys, there should be an urgency in our heart, not just for the pastors and the elders, but for all of us. That's what you see there. There's role models by these guys. They get up at dawn, and away they go. Why? Because they're bold, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They knew that God had set them free to fulfill his purposes. Once out at the temple, they're teaching the people about God. Here's what I want you to write. Our unstoppable God, can he make sure his mission never stops. What's his mission? Very simple. Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. You see, they went right back to what they had been called to do. Can I say to you, we need to continue doing what God's called us to do. That's what we do. We don't stop. We might have a hiccup. We might do this, but we continue on in doing that. You'll see that in a moment. Now look at verse 21. Now when the high priest and his associates arrived, <laughs> get ready for some more fun. And when they arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin. Remember, there's the 71, all those people. <clears throat> don't believe in supernatural. Don't believe in angels. Don't believe Jesus raised from the dead. None of that. The full assembly of elders of Israel. And they said, and they called for him and said, send to the jail. Bring the apostles back to us. Look at verse 22. But on arriving at the jail, the servants they sent, the officers did not find him there. So they went back and reported. Now, how many of you like to go back and report to the guys? Yeah, this is going to be exciting. Uh, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the door. But when we opened it, we didn't find anybody inside. And on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came. Look at verse 25. I love it. Then someone came and said, look. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people again. <laughs> God's laughing like crazy in heaven. Gotcha. I'm in charge. Now, see, they think they're in charge. They put them in the jail. Well, the jail's there. It's locked. The guards are there, but there's nobody inside. They're not in charge. Our unstoppable God is in charge. Now... They were trying to stop miracles. <laughs> they caused one. You get it? They caused one. Another one. Perfect. Perfect. Our unstoppable God, look at this, is always in total control. Whatever situation you're going through, relax. You're asking why? We all do from time to time. But get ready. When he's ready to solve it, He'll solve it, and you'll go right on. 
Go right back to doing what you did. Don't let the enemy fill your mind with crazy stuff. He's not condemning. He's loving. Remember, hard in the book of James, count it all joy when you go through these kind of things that you have to have. No, because he's teaching people. These disciples learned a lot right in there. Because I'm sure they were thinking, why the heck did we end up here? And now they go, wow, what a man, what a release. That was fantastic. Woof, right back to where they went. Now, at verse 26, at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They're not done yet. They're going to try to bring them back. You'll see more of that next week. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. You know who's number one there. It's the apostles. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. Now notice, in his name. They can't even say the word Jesus. In his name. They hate the name. They hate Jesus. And here's what he, they said to the apostles. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and they're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now, when you read, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, that's their admission that these apostles are effective. They don't like it, but they say, you have power, and you've impacted our city of Jerusalem. They didn't like it. Now, look at this statement. That was their statement, the Jewish people, to the apostles. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. For five years, I've had this prayer in my prayer devotional. Usually once a week, every two weeks, I'll come to that, and I pray it. And I want us to pray it this morning. It's, we don't live in Jerusalem. We live in Brevard County. Indian River County is where our campuses are. And if you will... At some point, write this down later, get online, find it. We can put it on Facebook or whatever. We have not because we ask not. This is my prayer. It's not anything special. But here's, I want us to read it. Vera, Sebastian, you guys on? Let's all read it together. Here we go. Crowds will be coming to how many? All our campuses because we have filled Brevard and Indian River counties with the truth of God's word and its love. You think that's a good prayer? Yeah. If we don't pray it, they're not coming. You say, well, you're just after people. Oh, I'm after people to expand the kingdom of God so people can go to heaven and say to you, Satan, forget it. It's not about numbers of people. It's numbers of souls. Pray it. This is what our chance is. Remember, they went out to the streets. And continue what they were doing. We have to continue regardless of what happens. In the power of the Holy Spirit. To do what God's called us to do. So that's it. So write it down. Begin thinking about it. Pray it. Put it in your prayers. Every week. Every two weeks. However you want. It's just good for us. Now watch what Peter says. Verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied. We must obey God. Rather than men. Sorry. You're trying to muzzle us. We're not going to. Give in. It's not going to happen. Remember, God set the apostles free for a purpose. You and I have been set free for the same purpose. You and I weren't set free from our sins and bondages 
just to do our thing. We're set free to do his thing. Now, what is his thing? Here it is. Mark 16, 15. And he told them, Jesus speaking, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That's what we're to do. Our world at the moment is our counties. We have lots of missionaries from other parts of the world that came from this church. We also have lots of short-term missions that we do and people go, which is absolutely fantastic. But I want you to see something because sometimes we forget this. It starts, this revival, you have to call eight or 9,000 people in two months a revival, wouldn't you? That <laughs> God's touches there. People are coming to Christ. It starts with one unbeliever coming to a personal relationship with God. Look at me just for a moment. How did this group of people of 9, 10, 15,000 people, how in the world did it get there? One. Remember early, Peter and John went to the temple to pray. And they saw a lame man that they'd seen many times before. But God gave a word to Peter. Peter, stop and pray for this man. A man who had never walked for 40 years, ever in his life. He touched him. And what did God do? Supernatural healed him. Instantly began to jump, run around the city. One person coming to Christ, one apostle listening to God, started the revival. How many? One. That's why I've been challenging you. Pray for one unbeliever. See, he was an unbeliever. He was Jewish. He didn't believe in Jesus. But he got healed physically and spiritually. One. Pray for one in our neighborhoods. Two. Speak the gospel when you get an opportunity. Just to, just a one. One person started this. You have to understand that. You see the domino effect? That's a revival. That's what happens. Number three, invite one. Nobody's dying here at the pulpit. Just invite one. We're not like the early church. We're good. Invite one to come and have their life changed. Am I right? It started with one. And that's the way God does it. And, of course, as you go through the book of Acts, you'll see it goes all the way to the city of Rome, which then spreads to the whole world especially America, because of one. All this started in that church. Now, I want you to just say this with me. One more statement. God's promises are unstoppable. Now, what that means is he has a promise for you. He has a promise for me in all kinds of things. But I still have a free will. I want to read you a verse. Some of you here have never accepted Jesus Christ personally into your life. You might be a good person. You come to church. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're hearing the word. But you've never made a commitment to follow him. See, good people don't go to heaven. You will never get to heaven. Only forgiven people. So Paul wrote this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... <clears throat> What will happen? You will be what? Saved. Saved just means you have to be born again. He takes care of your sins. He forgives your sins. He forgets your sins. And you get the guarantee of going to heaven. Plus, you get to do life with God right here. That's a promise. Remember what I said? God's promises are what? Unstoppable. Oh, Pastor Mark, you don't know me. There's no way he could do that to me. You're wrong. 
But I want you to notice something in this statement. That, what's the second word? If. Jesus did everything to get you and I to heaven. But I have to choose it. If. You say, well, maybe another time. Wrong. Today, God says, is the day of salvation. Some of you, I know what you're thinking. This is it's happened in the last service this morning. Numbers of people came. You used to be with God. You had a relationship with God. But you've gotten cold in a way. And you're kind of thinking you're in control. Well, look at your life. Doesn't work. And you need to come back to God. You need to make a recommitment. Now, what I want to say to you about that is this. I know the enemy has already said to you, he'll never accept you back. He's the liar. God said he would never turn anyone away that comes back to him. No one. You're not special. He'll take you. He'll recondition you. He'll put the spirit of God back in you. And on the life you go, following Jesus Christ. See, I told you, this service will be a great service when you leave. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Very simple. I'm going to ask you in a moment, at all of our campuses, in a moment, all the heads to be bowed. I'm just going to do a very simple thing, one thing. At the end of the service, our pastors at the campuses. I'll be here, down over at this area, right here. And Pastor TJ is there in Vera. Pastor Joey is covering this morning and Sebastian right there. At the end of the service, I want you to just walk up to me or the pastor where you're at, Vera. And by the way, if you're watching online, there's a phone number you can call right now. A live person will talk to you. What we're going to do is just simply pray for you and let you begin to walk with God again for the first time or making a recommitment. But to do that, you need to make a commitment. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just ask one thing. I'll take about 30 seconds to do it in all of our campuses, then we'll be done. I'm not going to ask you to come down now. It's going to be at the end of our, we have one more song, it'll be at the end of the service. But I am going to do, ask you to make a bold choice. And here's what I'm going to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask you with the heads about it in just a moment. Pastor Mark, I want to become a Christian. I want to come back to God. I, I, I will come down at the end of the service and just shake your hand and have you pray for me just for a minute or two. And so I can leave with my sins forgiven, and I can go to heaven. I, and I want you in a moment. I'm not going to ask you to pray where you're at. We're going to pray right here. And I want you, with the heads about in a moment, just to raise your hand and say, Pastor Mark, I want to pray that prayer. Second, if you've walked away from God, and you say, Pastor Mark, I want to come down, make a very simple recommitment to God, and leave with a brand new life, a new start in my life, I want you to raise your hand. Now, why am I asking you to do that? So you're not infinite all the time. You're making a commitment to God that you mean business with God. I want to have my life changed. Let's bow our heads. Christians, you're praying. You're praying everywhere. If you're here this morning at Melbourne or Vera or Sebastian, and you say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I want a new start. I want my sins forgiven. I want to know I can go to heaven. I am empty. I need a purpose in life. I know God can give it to me. Or I need to come back. I've fallen away. I've taken a wrong step. I need God's forgiveness and a brand new start today. And I promise I will come at the end of the service just for a moment and have you and some other individuals right here just to pray a simple prayer over me so I can leave this campus changed by the power of God. Remember, his promises are unstoppable. 
He says, if you'll repent, believe, and put your trust in Jesus, you will be saved. He never lies. It's a 100% promise from God to you. Why? Because he loves you. If that's you this morning, just simply raise your hand. People are praying. Say, I want to come down and pray that prayer with you, Pastor Mark, or Pastor TJ, or Pastor Joy. Just raise your hand real quickly. This is up so I can see it this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Others in the balcony, just raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Quickly. I'm only going to do another five seconds, then we're done. Come on. That's you. You know. Thank you. Thank you. Others. Thank you. Thank you. Same at all your campuses. Just raise that hand and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to have my life changed today. Don't say, well, another day. No, today's the day. Three more seconds. Anybody else want to say, I want my life to be changed? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, I just pray this morning, at the end of our service, at all of our campuses, thank you for these amazing people who heard you speak to them, not me. They know what's awaiting them, a new start, or for the very first time, having a personal relationship with the God who's in control and loves them beyond their measure. They have no idea how much he loves them. So I just pray for that spirit of God to be there. And we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you are our God and you're unstoppable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God used his word today to continue to change and shape you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Send us an email at mail at calvaryccm.com or call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. And don't forget to listen to the next podcast in this series. Until next time, may God bless you, and together, let's do life right.